So what I want to do this morning is to give you a key for making sense of Psalm 119 so you can really appreciate it. Because our goal is to be able to sing the song celebrating the word of the Lord and have it transform our heart so it shapes our desires. So the word to us is sweeter than honey and more precious than gold. And one of the things that will be real helpful is to have in your mind the eight primary words that Psalm 119 is going to use to describe the word. So this will be very similar to a devotion last week in Psalm 19. And I'm going to put the eight different words in the show notes because probably the most helpful thing would be to print this out in some way on a little card and just keep it with you as we go through Psalm 119 so you can keep track of all of the different words that are used for the word. So there's eight primary words, and the first one is Torah, law. And the NIV, ESV both translate that law, and that is instruction. In some sense, law is a bad translation because we hear it improperly. It is divine truth that's imparted to us. It's given to us. It's the loving instruction of a father who wants his children to do well. And it's a comprehensive term for all all of God's teaching, and it's used 25 times in Psalm 119. The second word is the word for testimonies. NIV will translate the statutes, ESV normally testimonies, but it's the word testimonies, and it is what God bears witness to about himself, about his truth, about his requirements. These are God's testimonies, and this word is used 22 times. And it's really important to remember, when you read the Bible, you're not simply reading man's description of their experience of an encounter with the divine. This is God bearing witness about God. Third word is the word precepts. NIV, ESV, both translate those precepts. And these are detailed application 
of God's truth to life. It's how the truth is supposed to be lived. This is something that is meant to be lived. And that's used 21 times in Psalm 119. Fourth word, and I'm actually going in order that you see them in Psalm 119, but the fourth word is the word statutes. NIV will translate this normally as decrees, ESV normally statutes, and this uh, is actually the word for the engravings, to engrave, something that's carved into a rock. And this means the permanence of the teaching. It's permanent. It's written in stone. It's used 22 times. Uh, The fifth word is the word for commandments or commands, both NIV and ESV translated commands. And this is a general word that expresses the idea that God's revealed truth is intended for obedience. It's not just information. It's something that God expects his people to obey. There's things they must do. And this is used 20 times. Sixth word is the word is mishpat, and this is probably the hardest of them all to translate. The NIV normally goes with laws, ESV rules. It's really the word judgment, or it can be righteousness. Judgments or righteousness. I think those are probably better translations. But this is God's judgments. Um, it's what God has decided upon as truth, or what God has decided upon and has commanded. It's his authoritative decisions. It's his judgments. And when it's used in the sense, so it has a couple different nuances. Judgments has the nuance of the principles, and then righteousness has the nuance of practices. So whenever that word is there, you need to look at the context and say, all right, which is more appropriate? Is something that's being celebrated a principle, or is it a practice? Judgments are the principles. Righteousness are the practices. Then the seventh word the word davar. That's word. Both NIV and ESV translate that as word. And this is revealed truth that is personally spoken by God. It's his word. This is used 23 times. And then the eighth word that is very similar to word, the word imra, and it just means that which is spoken, speech, but it normally is either translated as word or promise. Promise is really the nuance that that word has all throughout Psalm 119. It means simply something spoken, but it's normally in the context of a promise, and that's used 19 times. So those are the eight words that are used primarily to describe the word. Now, it's so important to note the distinction because these are the key eight notes that the singer of this psalm is going to play over and over again. In fact, if you want a reading exercise, just read through Psalm 119 and mark every one of those words. What you'll find is that one of those eight is used in almost every single verse. Many sections use all eight of them. So that's why I think it'd be really helpful just kind of print out all eight, keep them in a little note card, and as you're reading through, you want to be able to tune your heart and your mind to be able to appreciate the different nuances of the music. You know, why does he use this word here at this point? And it's so important. Another thing that is really important to help you appreciate this song is to have the proper, I don't know how to phrase it. I, I don't know enough about music, so I might 
totally butchered this analogy, but have the proper accompaniment music. You got to sing it in the right tune. And so this celebration of an encounter with the word is a celebration of an encounter with Christ. Remember, he is the word made flesh. When you see the word for a promise, all the promises of God are yes in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.20, every promise of God finds its yes in him. So whenever anyone in the New or in the Old Testament believes in the promises of God, they're believing in Christ. So Abraham believed in the promises, and therefore he believed in Christ. And if this song is going to be sweet to us, we need to hear it with the, the music, the accompaniment music of the gospel. If you hear this music as a legalistic suck up brown noser type song where it's somebody just celebrating oh look at me look at how much i just love the law like the kid going up to the teacher and saying i i love your rules so much mrs johnson it, this song won't have any force or power for you you got to have the right music you know it's kind of like heavy metal music makes for really bad lullabies or bad love songs like you take the lyrics from At Last and you put it to heavy metal music, you're going to ruin the song. And if you take this psalm and you put it to the background music of legalism, you're going to ruin it. You have to hear the gospel music all throughout it. So what we want is we want the Lord to help us to sing this song, celebrating the word, knowing that every celebration of the word we can sing because we have encountered and been saved by the word made flesh. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son. 